Here we are, entering into the second session in our Holy Spirit series, and I have the joy of bringing the message to you today. By the way, remember to keep praying for Link and Jen as they're on vacation in Florida. Pray that it's refreshing and a blessing for them, and they come back charged up, ready to go more than ever. So much to pray about, much to celebrate, much to enjoy, but let me read a scripture to start things, and then we'll pray. Galatians 2.20. I'm going to read this in the New King James Version. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. In the King James Version, it speaks of living by the faith of the Son of God. Isn't that interesting? We know the Son of God's not lacking in faith who loved me and gave himself up for me. I'm happy to bring this message today. I think it'll be a great follow-up to the one I gave in, in January, Grace and Truth, It's Both or It's Neither. If you haven't heard or checked that one out, please do so, because I believe this will be a great follow-on to that message. With any message, if you're like me, you don't want to just give a message. You don't want to just be a dispenser of information. You don't want to just quote Bible verses and hopefully have some mental assent, and then everybody leaves the meeting unchanged. You don't want that. You want there to be inspiration. You want there to be transformation. You want it to come out of revelation. So there's something that's going on in me that's stirring this message today. A message like this could take different directions. Link gave me the title the fruit of the Spirit in our union life in Christ. That's descriptive, no problem. He gave me freedom, as always, to change the title. I decided to make it a subtitle. Free to be the real you being the title. Because I believe this is an identity issue. And part of what's been stirring in my heart here lately is an observation, benevolently I trust, doesn't describe everybody, but over the last 30 years, it seems that repeatedly I come into contact with individuals, come into contact with hearts, and here is the observable phenomena that emerges. Really, it's in the form of a question. Is our faith cultural, or is it compelling? Is it contagious? Is it convincing? Now, I came from an Episcopal background, nice people, no shame, no blame, mom. Nice people, no life. A lot of ritual, a lot of form. Nice people. I'm so glad that Skip Edwards, who's in heaven now, dancing on streets that are golden, invited Mindy and me to a gathering on Sundays at Ron Colley High School, and it was a church called... Trinity Church. And I'm so glad that we were invited in the summer of 77, and our life has never been the same. Because we were introduced to a Christianity, if you will, a faith, if you will, that was alive, that was not just cultural, but it was compelling, it was convincing, it was transforming. And I thought, I want to be a part of this. And we drove, no hero here, I don't need a badge, don't need any special ceremony, but some Sundays we put a hundred miles on our vehicle making two round trips 
to go to the morning service and the evening service if we didn't stay over and go to Bishop's Cafe in between. <laughs> or if somebody didn't invite us over, like Elman and Karen Larson or someone like that, to hang out at their home while we were waiting for the next service in the evening. But that was nothing. That was no sacrifice. We were so hungry. We were so desperate. It was like community was a bonus. <laughs> the relationships were a bonus. But the word of God coming alive, Christ-centered, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, all the gifts are for today. And having services like this where there's freedom and opportunity and invitation because of our hearts, because of our posture, for God to manifest his presence. It's sweet. It's wonderful. This is part of who we are. That's, this is part of the assignment God has entrusted to us. It wasn't just an assignment to the church that was then called Trinity. It's for us. It's available to all of us. Now, this church, this gathering happens to be called All Nations Church. But it's the same opportunity. Lordship salvation is the only salvation the fullness of the Holy Spirit, union life in Christ, going to the city, going to the world, coming together like this and having a sense of anticipation. What, what does God want to do today? Not worshiping worship, not worshiping what he's going to do, but worshiping the king. And having hearts <laughs> that are open, <laughs> forgiven and forgiving and ready for more. And we had a little taste of that today about who we are. So there are distinctives with churches around the city and around the world, and different assignments, and different opportunities, and different stewardships. But I am so excited to be a part of a stewardship where normal Christianity is really what I'm going to be sharing about today. You know, we can get cultural without even intending to. I came out of a mainline religion culture, but you know, evangelicals could embrace a a cultural Christianity too and pretty soon young people are living off of the faith of their parents and like Pastor Murdoch taught us again and again over the years God doesn't save on the family plan our faith is individual our journey is specific it's personal are we cultural have we just developed another culture here? Are we just part of another culture here? Is that, how we, is that what we want? I don't think so. I believe that God wants us to be salt in the city. In the early days that we met in this building, Dave Gerrels brought us a message, getting the salt out of the salt shaker, we being the salt, into the city, into the nations. Salt in the city, salt in the nations, a light to the world, being contagious. Now, we can't make it happen. We can't put it on. We don't want it. We don't want it to be a performance orientation. But where's the overflow? Where's the heart? Where's the passion? Is it just mental assent? You know, this idea of accepting, your, accepting the Lord, you know, you hear it. It's so painful to hear. Now, no shame, no blame. But when I hear somebody talking more about saviorship than lordship and just pray a little prayer of uh, mental assent, which sounds like a uh, hell insurance policy. You don't want to go to hell, do you? Okay, pray this prayer and you'll go to heaven. Well, what, what kind of change is that going to produce? But it just points out the need. Is there a sense of need? Rescuing, being rescued is not relevant if you don't need to be rescued. I needed to be rescued. How about you? 
You know, the person that's drowning who thinks they can swim to shore, he's probably going to be kind of put out a little bit if somebody tries to rescue him. They might even be offended. Don't you think I'm a good swimmer? Don't you think I could have made it back to shore? I didn't need your help. Or they might say, well, that was nice of you to come out, but I could have made it. That is not a heart that's convinced of need. That is not a heart that is convinced of rescuing. We do need the Savior. And when he rescues us from an impossible situation of sin that we can never pay for, we want to give our hearts and lives to him for the rest of our life. And that's where the Lordship of Christ comes in. It's not a commitment to a commitment. <laughs> it is a heart of gratitude. It's following up with what I shared last time. That sinful woman in the house of Simon the Pharisee didn't need to be coached. She didn't need anybody to coach her in her prayers or how she anointed Jesus with oil. She knew who he was. She recognized the Savior. And she needed saving and she knew it. And she expressed her gratitude by washing his feet with her hair and her tears, an expensive perfume that she couldn't even afford. Extravagant love. Is our life extravagant? Or is this just another club? Is this just another cultural club? Is this just a community that's doing nice things around the city? Some good things around the nation? But what kind of a difference are we making? What kind of a force are we? What kind of a transformation is really going on? I don't know about you. But I want to be a part of something bigger than I am. And that's his mission, by the way. His mission is bigger than I am. It is bigger than you are. So we take a look at these verses. And I pray they'll take on new meaning today. Not just mental assent. Oh, yeah, that's good doctrine, Steve. Yeah, that's solid, Steve. And you walk out of here and it doesn't change a thing. No, no, no. Heaven forbid. May there be transformation today. May there be revelation today. These are timeless truths. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is normal Christianity. It requires sacrifice and sellout. And we're in touch with our need and we realize we're hopeless, doomed, and damned without him. That is normal. It's not, well, you want to go to heaven, don't you? Pray this prayer of accepting Jesus. Okay, now what? See, it's cultural. See, it doesn't change a thing. I prayed that prayer after a Billy Graham movie years ago, and it didn't change a thing. It was a point of reference that I went back to, but it didn't change a thing. It was part of God's <laughs> pursuit. It was part of the process. And it's amazing what God can do on less light than what I'm sharing with you today. I mean, people can get saved on a whole lot less light than what I'm presenting today. But now that I've seen the ultimate light, I'm not going to share anything less than what I'm sharing. It would be wrong if I did. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. What does that mean to you? I don't know about you, but... That, I see myself in there. The old Steve is dead. The old, abusive, possessive, insanely jealous, treating my wife terribly. Wild man in college, always on my mind. That was the old spiritual condition. He is dead. Dead, dead. Aren't you glad he's dead? Honey, aren't you glad he's dead? Yes. I know you are. But you know what? 
It wasn't just so Steve could have a better life. It wasn't just so Steve felt better about himself. It was because the lamb was worthy of the reward of his suffering. He was worthy that I'm now a worshiper of the king. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. Do you want to be a worshiper of the king? You know, we, 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 we have a nice target. The target is, well, we got to get that person saved. They're going to hell. Okay, that's not a good place to go. We can't even imagine how that's going to be. Can you imagine? Forever and ever and ever separation from God, eternal torment, weeping and gnashing of teeth, forever, forever, forever. I, I can't imagine it. But is that what that's about? Saved from that? No. That's part of it. Saved from ourselves, saved from Satan's grasp. Yes, yes, yes. But most importantly, saved, delivered to be a worshiper of the king. Because he is worthy. He deserves more worshipers. The old is gone. What is that? Well, maybe, you know, <laughs> I say this benevolently. But if there's not much of the old gone... Maybe the old isn't gone. <laughs> because the old is the old man. It's that old spiritual condition outside of Christ, separated from God. And when he's crucified with Christ, he's gone. Now, that doesn't mean you don't have temptation. That doesn't mean you don't have tendencies, strongholds, belief systems. And we're going to talk about that. Because you could have strongholds of belief. You know, it's kind of like you come into the kingdom... You're a brand new babe in Christ. Lord, what would you have me do? You've got an attitude, you'll do anything. But there's a lot of renewing that needs to happen. There's a lot of updating that needs to happen in your mind and heart. There's a lot of patterns of thought and belief systems that need transforming. If I can say it that way. And it's just, it's kind of like when the Israelites took the promised land, they didn't take it all at once. But when God takes our hearts, he goes to work. He's going to take you seriously. It's going to be a Holy Spirit invasion. Do you want that? He's going to make issues. Are you going to listen? Are you going to walk in the light? It's going to be a progressive takeover of a good kind, all motivated by love. What was true of the old? Dead in trespasses and sins. Dead, dead means separated, not ceasing to exist. We were separated from God and wanting what he wanted because we were nicely or not nicely doing our thing. We were following the ways of the world. What does that mean? We don't want to confuse that. God so loved the world. That's people. That's with eyes of pity and destiny and heart and compassion. We're talking about the ways of the world being the world system. The mindset of the world, which is me first. Living to get your appetite satisfied. Appetite for food, sex, knowledge, pleasure, and status. Satisfied on your terms, not God's terms. Simply stated, the world system is me first. You were following that. I was following that. Maybe nicely, not ni maybe not nicely. You were gratifying the cravings of your flesh. What's that? That's just your flesh and blood. But it's that inclination... See, even when we're born again of the Spirit of God, even when Jesus moves in, the old man is dead, our old previous spiritual condition. That's identity. The old identity is gone. We have a new identity. 
But the flesh is that temporary part of us that isn't a curse, but it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to work out in God's gym, God's laboratory, and apply what he wants you to apply to get to know him better. Some things are going to come quickly. Some things are going to take a long time. Don't be concerned if it takes a long time. It's training. It's molding. It's shaping. It's grooving. He wants you to groove. He wants to groove you for him. The flesh is that inner inclination, that temporary part of you. By the way, you won't be taking that to heaven with you. Relief. Thank you, Lord. But for now, it's with you. It isn't who you are at the core. It isn't your true identity. That's key. The old man was your previous identity. Your new man in Christ is your new identity. The flesh is that temporary part of you that is not an identity issue. It's attitudes, it's beliefs, it's leftovers that you have opportunity to renew. And it's, it's, it's actually, if you see it that way, it's, it's a positive because it's opportunity. It isn't, oh, I'm stuck with the flesh. Oh, I thought I was saved. I thought I shouldn't be tempted anymore. I should just automatically obey. No, you're not a Jesus robot. There's opportunity. You still have a free will. And the Holy Spirit won't choose for you. Darkness. Isn't that, that's not very complimentary. (laughs) We were darkness. That's what the Bible says. We were alienated. We weren't just rebelling at times. I was, but the Bible says we were enemies, enemies of God. I'm just quoting him. I'm just agreeing with him. What is the status of the old? Dead. Cemetery dead. If you've surrendered to the king on his terms. There's a big if. You'll you'll hear it loosely said in mainstream religions, cultures, denominations. Everybody's God's children. We're all God's children. We're not all God's children. We're all God's creation. There was a day where I was a child of wrath. I wasn't a child of God. I was a child of wrath. My father was the devil, if I agree with God. That's not very complimentary, though, but I'm going to agree with God. I... The, better, the more I agree with God, the more hope I will have by putting my hope in him. I need to get all the hope out of me because as long as I put any hope in me, it'll be a form of pride and it'll keep me from entering into the fullness of his life. The old man is dead. Doesn't always feel dead. Doesn't mean I don't get tempted. Doesn't mean I'm perfect. Doesn't mean I always choose rightly. But my heart is a new heart set on pleasing the king. How about you? The new has come. The new has come. A new creation. What does the Bible say? A new creation made alive with Christ as we move into Ephesians 2. Raised up with Christ. Seated in heavenly realms in Christ. Isn't that significant? Standing, seated, walking. They all apply at different times. Seated! Royalty seated. We are royalty in him. It is finished. There's nothing more for you to do or perform. There's nothing you can do to get him to love you anymore or to be more righteous. His righteousness is our righteousness. We'll talk more about that. This isn't a mental brainwashing exercise today. This requires revelation to the heart with participation, cooperation, and maybe some rejection of some beliefs that got to go today some belief systems that are in the way 
of receiving the truth. May they be exposed today. We're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. We're the light of the world. We're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, called out of darkness into his wonderful light, hidden with Christ. I love that, hidden with Christ, Colossians 3.3. Delivered from darkness, transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son, reconciled through Christ, holy in his sight, free from the power of sin. Notice, not free from sin, not free from the potential of sinning, but free from the power. Here again, it's interpretation. If you don't know who you are, then you'll misinterpret the temptation. And we'll talk more about that as we go. But the power of a premise. If I think that old man is still alive, if I don't see the difference between old man and new man, and if I make the flesh synonymous with the old man, I set myself up to perform. Because then my focus will be, I've got to keep that old man in the grave. Just got to appropriate and keep him in the grave as opposed to he's dead I'm alive, I'm new, the flesh is a separate issue, it's an opportunity to apply, it's an opportunity to renew, but I'm operating from the power of a premise of new, a new creation. And we'll talk more about what that really means. Do you know who you are? Now, here's where the belief systems come in that can be so powerful, because what we believe has great power. You know, we're not lacking in faith. (laughs) It's who or what we're putting faith in that is the issue. What you believe has great power. Do you know who you are? Are you the sum total of your life's experiences? As you can imagine, over the last 30 years, I've had wonderful opportunity after opportunity to hear stories and hear perspectives of people that have decided what was true about them based on what somebody else said was true about them, based on what they did or didn't do, based on what's been done to them. And these have been devastating things at times, traumatic things at times. So with great compassion and understanding, I say this, and I realize it's a process to be free. It isn't just one, two, three, boom, you're free. No, it's a process of renewing. And God is with us in the process, because this process is a breaking process, as you'll see. It's a breaking process. It's a worship process. It's a submission process. It's a letting go process. It's getting off the throne of our life process. It's making an exchange from playing God to letting him be God in our lives. It's a process of breaking, and we don't just wake up in the morning and say, I think I'll be broken today. You don't choose brokenness. It's a process. But here's one thing to keep in mind. You're never more fully alive as when you're biblically broken. Now, a natural view would be, man, a light, I'm wounded, I'm crushed, I'm broken, I don't even know who I am. That's not brokenness. When you feel like a non-person, that's not brokenness. Biblical brokenness is submitting to the sovereignty of God, giving thanks in and for all things, inviting him to do whatever he wants to do, no matter what the cost, no matter what the shame, no matter what the loss, no matter what, no matter what, no matter what. Because you want him more than you want to be free. You want him more than you want anything else. Now, we don't come to that overnight, do we? But as we come to that, that's the destination we're going on right, right away, by the way. Not right away, but by the way, that's our destination. 
And we'll talk more about that at the end, of how fruit relates to this. Are you who you, what you've done, what you haven't done, what's been done to you, what's been said about you, your parents, the shame of your family, whether it's poverty or somebody got in trouble with the law and went to jail and is still in jail today. Maybe your father's in jail. Maybe you've never met your father. Maybe you were abandoned at an early age. Is that who you are? Fatherless? Your answer is not a father. Your answer is the father. He will define you. I didn't learn how to father our children and, and be a husband to my wife through my earthly father. No shame, no blame. I just didn't learn it from Don Peterson. But I learned it from the father. Because as I surrendered to the Father and the Lord and the Savior and my living, my, my very life, he, the Father, lived in me, lives in me, to father our children through me, to, have, to carry the Father's heart for my, for my wife and whomever. Because I'm a son who knows the Father's heart and lives and gives the Father's heart away. Do you believe you're the sum total of your life's experiences or some defining part thereof? If so, you're believing, you're really believing in yourself. You're putting confidence in that temporary part of you that I was talking about earlier called the flesh, not flesh and blood, but that inclination to do and say things, belief systems, habits, etc., but rooted in trying to satisfy God-given appetites, food, clothing, or excuse me, food, sex, knowledge, status, pleasure, apart from God's design, God's terms. That inclination is the flesh. To satisfy that is sin, outside of God's design. Putting confidence in the flesh, really making ourselves the final authority for deciding what's true about us, we are putting our hope in ourselves. So, how are we free? I don't want this just to be a message of building awareness, building identification, building understanding, and then walk out the door and say, oh, that's great, Steve, I understand things a whole lot better, but what do I do? Well, here is the do. And it isn't just one, two, three, the Nike approach, just do it and everything will be fine. It's going to be a process. Here it's, here's where it starts. Psalm 40, verse 5. Why so downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. 1 Peter 2, 23 and 24. Nobody's been more rejected than Jesus. You know, I may not understand your rejection, but he does. And he cares. I care. But I couldn't possibly understand what you have experienced. Maybe a little bit, but still falling short. But just think of Jesus. Mocked and reviled, but answered not in return, but entrusted himself to him who judges fairly. There it is in 1 Peter 2. He settled it at the extreme. He went to the cross before he went to the cross. He went to the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was submitted to his father. He came to planet Earth, submitted to the father's mission. He doesn't just show up and see what happens. Submitted on the mission. Submitted to his father on a mission. Do we have that kind of a mission mindset or we just get up every day and see what mood we're in, how it's going to go, see what we can get by with, pleasure, pain, principle, or are we on a mission submitted to our Father? Reject rejection. Receive your acceptance from Jesus. I love the King James rendering of Ephesians 1.6. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein we are accepted in 
the beloved. Now, the person that's been used and abused and treated terribly, somehow, someway, sometimes they want something of value just innately in themselves, redemptively in themselves. <laughs> they hear, I'm accepted in the beloved, but well, doesn't he accept me? I mean, isn't there anything in me that he accepts? Yes. If Jesus lives in you, he does. So God loves everybody. God doesn't accept everybody. Hear it loud and clear, near and far. God doesn't accept everybody. He only accepts those who are in the Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. We are accepted in the acceptance of Jesus Christ. We are wrapped with his acceptability. We have no acceptance without his acceptance. We have no forgiveness without his forgiveness. But we have his love... But his love has made provision to save us, but his love will not save us without our participation. And that's where some religious cultures have missed the mark. Just because God loves us, somehow it's, it's going to all work out, right? Unless you're really bad. No, there's no biblical basis for that. God is love. God has given his life, whatever, what more could he give? But we've got a part to play. Not earning it, but first of all, if we know we need rescuing, that helps. <laughs> and when you know he's rescued you or paid that debt of sin you could have never paid, that helps. Because then you are surrendered to the king and you, you've got in your heart whatever, 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 whatever you want. That makes all the difference. And we realize, like you've heard me say, I deserve to be burning in hell today, and that's not false humility. Apart from Jesus, I deserve to be burning in hell today. I'm so glad Jesus set me free. Amen. For, for angels to hear, for demons to hear, for fellow believers to hear, for the lost to hear. For those who don't know Jesus, I'm so glad Jesus set me free. Hallelujah. I am grateful. It isn't a cultural thing. It's not, it's not a meeting thing. I'm the same person in every situation, every situation, in every situation. I'm so glad Jesus set me free. Here, not just on Sundays. He that's been forgiven much loves much. <laughs> I've been forgiven much. Abandon yourself to his love. His love, perfect love. The love that says, I not only love you, but I care about you, John. I care about the details. I not only want to provide, I not only will provide, I want to provide. Whatever that might include. I'm a God of the want to. I'm the God of care. I'm the God who sees. Oh, Roy, I'm the God who sees. Who saw the mistreatment of Hagar. And Sarai sent her away. The God who sees and cares. He's that kind of a God who loves and sees and cares and wants to take care of us, but he's not going to choose for us and he's going to allow us to live in this world that's a war zone and things are going to happen that are going to hurt and be painful and we won't always understand, but that brings us back to him. If you haven't read books like Lord, I Want to Know You by K. Arthur, if you haven't sought and found the 
tapes by A.W. Tozer on the attributes of God and any books that he's written on the attributes of God, that would be a wonderful, steady diet for you to consume. Because then you, in the midst of things that you don't understand, you come back to God. <laughs> Lord, I'm banking on you. <laughs> I don't know what's going on here, but I'm banking on your character. I'm banking on your attributes. I, I'm, that's the backdrop. That's the forefront. You're my only hope. I don't know, but I submit to you. I surrender to you. You rescued me a long time ago, and I didn't deserve it. I can entrust my heart to you. Agree with God. Oh, receive your sonship and your daughterhood. Receive. <laughs> His Abba Father. <laughs> you know, you don't have to be without a daddy. Your daddy might be gone from planet Earth, one way or another, abandonment or in heaven, or maybe you don't know where daddy is. But you know, the best daddy there is is available to you all the time. And until he's your daddy, you're not free. No matter how wonderful your daddy was or is. Unless your heavenly daddy is your daddy, you're not free. You're really not free to be who God destined you to be. You're not really free to be, because you're, you're going to be trying to prove yourself. You're going to be trying to get somebody else's acceptance. You're going to let somebody else have more power than they should. But when you know the Father's heart, <laughs> wow, and, and it doesn't demotivate you, it doesn't make you passive, you're more motivated than ever to step into the flow and live a wholehearted life for the glory of God and for the benefit of others. Agree with God about how you were uniquely, how uniquely made you are in Christ. Notice what it says in Romans 12. In the first part of that, it talks about don't think too highly of yourself. Have a sober judgment of yourself. Agree with God about yourself. And then it goes on to talk about different gifts and, and differences that make us up as a body. And, it's, and I, my takeaway from that is there's different parts. Let's celebrate every part. I need, all, I need other parts around me. You know, culturally, whether it's church or otherwise, there's kind of this mindset we should be well-rounded in, as individuals. Well, I want to learn and grow from those around me and be more sensitive, for sure, relationally. But you know, passion is passion. My stewardship, my passion is going to be different than yours, maybe. Maybe some of us will share some of the same things, but let's celebrate. Let's celebrate how we're made differently. Let's celebrate how we're gifted differently, and let's see that we need each other for this body, this body, and the body to make a difference in the world today. Celebrating diversity with humility, releasing divine synergy, that's God's design. And here we are at the conclusion. Rather than, well, I just need more love. I need more joy. Lord, give me more patience. Lord, give me more of this, give me more of that. That is not a biblical perspective. It's sincere. <laughs> no shame, no blame. The fruit of the Spirit for those that are in Christ, that those that are born again of the Spirit of God, not cultural Christians, but convinced, compelled, contagious, sold out, will obey no matter what the cost. Lord, what would you have me do? I'm learning, I'm growing. And if you do go in the ditch of despair, you get off the track, you don't isolate. You say, I need a fresh start, I need help. I don't know how it's all going to work out, but I'm not going to pull away. 
And, and rather than judging all of you as imperfect, and we are, it's like, I even need the imperfect body of Christ to see things that I need to see. I need everybody in anything. I need what God allows in my life and brings in my life. Imperfect church, whatever the case may be, to show me things in me that I need to see, expose blind spots, sensitize me, have his way with me. Isn't that wonderful? God's design is perfect. When we isolate, we hurt ourselves. It gets dark, and then we don't see. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. And love really describes it all, by the way. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness. Gentleness. Goodness. Depending on your translation, meekness could be a part of it. And keep in mind what meekness is. Meekness isn't weakness. Meekness is I'm not going to try to control the outcome. I'm going to submit to the sovereignty of God. I'm going to participate and do my part, but I'm not going to control the outcome. The outcome is his. I'm not going to be outcome-based. I'm going to be obedience-based. Self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Now keep in mind that's not a final, amen, it is finished, crucifying the flesh. Crucifying the flesh is a daily walk. The old man is dead, cemetery dead. The flesh is a daily walk. Not focusing on the flesh. And I'll come back to a point on that as we conclude. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. I want to close with this to put a practical test or example in front of you. In the form of a temptation. How do we respond to temptation? A temptation is a proposition to satisfy a, non-God, to satisfy a God-given appetite in a non-God-approved way. For food, sex, knowledge, status, or pleasure. It's a proposition to satisfy that in a non-God-approved way. We all have that. If you're human, you have it. It's not sin. It's temptation. But what we typically do, which exposes where we are in terms of what I've been talking about, what we typically do is we believe into our temptations. We believe into the fleshly lusts and desires. We believe into it and we, at least in part, believe that at least some of that is who I am. And as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So we'll tend to live out of who we think we are. So here is the solution. Instead of saying no to temptation, like no this, no that, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying don't resist it. I'm not saying that we should visit the scenes of temptation. I'm not saying we should make provision for the flesh. I'm not saying we shouldn't run from youthful lusts. But let's say we've got a temptation in front of us. How about this? How about yes to the divine yes in us? The one who is the yes and amen to all the promises of God who lives in us as our righteousness, as our holiness, as our self-control, is fill in the blank. Yes to Christ in me, the hope of glory, in the face of temptation. Because if you focus on the temptation and try to overcome the temptation, 
and beat yourself up because of the temptation, it'll eventually wear you down and the enemy will get in there and he'll lie to you and you will believe that's who you are. See, you haven't changed. You're the sum total of your life's experiences or some defining part thereof. And there that is, it's still trying to define you. Who are you kidding? You're just a hypocrite. You don't feel like coming on Sunday mornings? Don't come. You don't feel like raising your hands? Don't raise your hands. You don't feel like worshiping? Don't do, don't do it. Because you're a, it'd be a hypocrite if you do. I want to expose that as demonic logic. Jesus is worthy that we come whether we feel like it or not. Jesus is worthy that we give him all the praise and honor, whether we feel like him or feel like it or not. In fact, that's a greater test, isn't it? That's a greater sacrifice. Bring your sacrifice to the Lord. You don't feel like it. Do it anyway as unto him. So in conclusion, <laughs> union life, Christ is my Lord, my Savior, my Father, my friend, my sufficiency. And I don't think we can come to the end of it because of who he is. Who is he? More than a savior that saved you from hell. More than a savior who gave you a ticket to heaven. That's not even biblical. He is the Lord. He is the savior. He is the Lord. He is Father. He is the Son of God. He is the sufficient one. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is life. Yes. Is he your life? Aha, uh -huh. this is not cultural Christianity, is it? <laughs> this is not pray the prayer you're in. Oh, don't you feel better? Forget it. That's not it. That's not the real thing, is it? When you surrender to the king... <laughs> The refining has just begun. <laughs> Bring it on, Lord. Bring it on. Lord, thank you for the, these wonderful people. Thank you for the opportunity we have, Lord. Not to settle for cultural faith, cultural Christianity. Oh, no, no. <laughs> no. Heaven forbid. You haven't called us to that. You've called us out of darkness into your glorious light. You've rescued us from a, from a destination and a damnation that was impossible for us to recover from, and you did it. And we are, we've been set free. Do we get it? Do we understand? Oh, Lord, no shame, no blame. Turn on the lights, Lord. My words are inadequate. It's not a human persuasive thing, persuasion thing. It's, it's your word. It's your spirit. But I pray that we'll cooperate and open our hearts to you and receive you as our life and sufficiency and see that the fruit of the Spirit comes out of this life. It's the byproduct. It's the evidence of this union life. Add the increase to it, Lord, as people come forward for prayer for this or for other things. Bless them, bless our day. As we take in new members after the service, bless that opportunity as well. May it mean more than ever, not just filling in some blanks, not just being a part of a church, because that's the right thing to do, but what does it really mean to be a part of the body of Christ? I pray this has 
breathed fresh life and perspective into what it really means. Thank you, Lord. Add the increase, we pray. We love you, we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.